about that effort. Wayman comes through. He's got another one. Just add it to the reel. Liver. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast whose episode this week is proudly brought to you by yet another clutch goal from Marcus Bontempelli. My name is Matthew Donald and I have Nick Glear with me as I do every week. And you can catch all of our content throughout the season on our many, many platforms, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can just search the Salty Bulldog there. We've also got social media channels, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, checking on uh, Facebook, the Salty Bulldog, YouTube, the Salty Bulldog on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog and Instagram the.salty.bulldog. You can catch all the latest Salty Bulldog podcasts and Western Bulldogs news and also all the articles that we write during the week. Nick, our first game in front of a home crowd in Victoria in 581 days and we were treated to an instant classic. That was a, that was a fun game to watch, a heart attack. Uh, good to see you, Matthew. Actually, we'll start like that. Uh, and 596 days since we've had a, a home crowd at Marvel Stadium. And of course, which takes us back to that uh, famous night, which involved 21 and 21. Was that, so, a, was that a home game? Oh, for that me, it doesn't really count game. as a, uh, might not have been, but we'll count it then as a, as a crowd, at least at Marvel then. Yeah. Might as well. It might as well have been a home game for us because all the Essendon fans departed at, you know, quarter time. But <laughs> that's for another memory. No, we love bringing that uh, one Great up, game we? yesterday. We do love bringing that yeah, up, but I made sure I brought it up in my uh, piece for the five things we've learned. It does make a, a mention there. I'll as look, it always will. I look forward to reading that. So that obviously will be on our website as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. just tap in the Salty Bulldog. You'll be able to That's find right, that yeah. there. You'll be able to find the player no, great, ratings great game, as, as well. Oh, this was a fantastic game. This is... Uh, so obviously we're talking about the the match that happened on Sunday in the mm-hmm. AFL. This is a... Content- I mean, it's only round two. It's only round two. It's a long, 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 long way to go. But this has to be an early contender for game of the season. Not just from not from our perspective, but in terms of the competition itself. This is this is a match that had everything. It had lead changes, momentum swings, uh, bags of goals, high possession numbers. Uh, Key fours very close doing finish. what they do best. That was and great it, to see, actually. Some some enthralling players from all around. And imagine how Titanic it could have probably been. Um, let's say if you include Elliot Yo and Luke Shuey for the Eagles, and then you look at our end and you decide to throw in if well, provided they pick him, of course you add in JJ, you then add in Easton Wood and then you add in Hayden Crozier. And that's two particular lines or two divisions that get strengthened immensely right there. You know, their yeah. midfield division and then our half back. And they were, they were the two areas of the ground that I, I think the respective sides struggled in throughout the match. But let's, let's just have a look at the, the raw numbers firstly, because we've got to, got to get through that. 14, 16, 100 to 14, 9, 93. Now, I think the biggest lead either side had might have been 14 points. That is correct. Uh, so 14, West Coast had a 14 for, point 14 lead. for West Coast and 12 um, for us. 12 for us. Okay. So it gives you an idea on, on how close this one was. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. Yeah, the biggest lead of the game was 14 uh, to, to either side. Midway through the fourth. So what were you thinking, actually? Well, I'll, uh, I'll get to that in that a, margin there. Yeah, yeah I'll get to, get to that there. in a moment. So Bontempelli, Bruce and Norton each kicked three. It's fantastic to see the key forwards combining for six goals. That's a major return. And then singles to Daniel to kick the first goal of the match. English, Bailey Smith, Dunkley, and the run and gun finish in the last turn from Latham Vandermeer, the Dutchman, getting I, on I the board. I seeing that Oh, so what a goal and that great, was. Great, Play there too by McNeil, of course, as well. Was, uh, getting BT involved called that. him O'Neill. Hmm. O- O'Neill, did O'Neill. He? I was trying to think. I was just wondering whether they were going to throw in saying, you know, throw in a basketball reference and somehow put Scott Pendlebury's name into that mix. I, was, I thought I was going Shaq there. I was going Shaq. Shaq O'Neill's a oh basketball, isn't he? He is Shaq O'Neill as a basketballer there, but no. Nah. Basketball you know is Scott not. Pendlebury has a basketball background. Does that's he really? The important thing. I mean, that's news to me. Up. Yes, we'll just see if Bontempelli does too. But. No, that was a that was a fun game to watch. 
heart attack as usual, and it's typical Western Bulldogs match. High possession numbers is also a typical Western Bulldogs match. So Jackson McRae as led is, the way. As is hand-passing the ball into a very, very tough and tricky situation, yep. having to turn it over and concede a goal on the run. So, yes, no, we do enjoy works. that as well. So Jackson McRae with 441, sorry, no, with 41 disposals. We're on, we're on McCor- McRae watch. He's 441 disposals. That would have been close enough, you know. Yeah, yeah. 441 touches from McRae in an individual game. That's, well, that's incredible. He's, he's that far that. away now from cracking into the top 10 all-time leading position getters for the Bulldogs. 441 he needs. Still probably got, what's he now, 26? Yeah, it'd be about that. It'd be 26 or so. So he's still 26? got at least another. Turns 27 in August. Got another six years, minimum six years. I reckon so. And generally, just for, for the loyal fans out there to, to not to worry, not that I've got any info on this, but what we've seen with McRae is, of course, he's generally signed a year before his contract. contract. And that would be this for the end of next season. So we'd expect an extension probably uh, some time towards the back end of this year. We've got to talk about very loyal in that regard. We have, we've got to talk a bit about contracts because there's a couple of players that, that are, that are out of contract. We mentioned last week, um, but there's, there's a couple in particular who performed rather well on the weekend. at certain chunks of the match. One of them being Bonson Pelly, 30 disposals. I think he's in his career, he's had 29 matches where he's had 20 disposals and two goals in the match. This was the first time he managed 30 and three. What, the triple-triple? Well, that, what, we, what do they call no, it in the basketball? Triple well, it doubles? is. The, it triple is doubles the, for rebounds and shots and stuff. Yeah, like so it's, is it rebounds, shots, and or points and assists? Maybe. And Probably I think a, a triple, a triple-triple is when you get 10 of each. Maybe, yep. We got. We're gonna have to. I don't know what. I don't know what a triple. I don't know what a triple double is, but but a thirty-three, thirty disposals, three goals in game of football. So that's the first time he's done that. Daniel and Liberatore, Liberatore in game one hundred and fifty-one occasion for what a game to play one hundred and fiftieth match in twenty-six disposals each, and then the other midfielders getting in on the act as well. Dunkley, Bailey Smith, and Adam Trelaw each with twenty-five. Trelaw getting nine of those in the last quarter. And you were telling me that how, um, that he featured so, prominently in the center bounces in the last quarter. Let's have a look. Let's just run through those particular numbers, actually. So shall we? So I've we've got, got it here. Bounces I've, all. Got, I've got it here that there were seven center bounces in the final quarter. You're having to add in, of course, though the uh, the starting bounce of the final Yeah. So term. there's a starting so bounce, eight. and then there's. There's oh sorry, yep. So there's goals. one after each goal. So there's yep. there were seven goals kicked in the last quarter. And then there's the one to start bounce. the quarter. So eight. Now he attended, did he attend now, all of those? That's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because the numbers show so is that of the 32 bounces that they're worth the center entire bounces. game, center bounces is, of course. Um, Trelaw featured a part of that particular midfield division on 27 of those. So obviously, five of them is either rotating on the uh, forward line or on the bench. So when you he say he was in those, so hang on. So when you say he was involved in a center bounce, this doesn't necessarily mean he was in the center. This includes being on the not wing. entirely. This does include wing starts. So he had twenty-seven of those, eighteen of them on the wing, and he had nine in a center bounce. Here's the interesting thing, though. He only registered one center bounce attendance in the first three terms and had eight in the final quarter. Eight of the eight. So he's had every centre bounce contest mm-hmm. in the last quarter, and and that, just in the last quarter there were eight of his nine for the match. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing because I bring it up, of course, in my um, in my blog piece, which we put up at some time tomorrow. So today is, of course, uh, Monday the 29th of yes. March. Um, I make mention for the for the clearance duel that we had against the Eagles. Now they did have a slot, they did have a weekend midfield, to be fair, but they've got a particularly dominant ruckman that certainly makes up for that. Okay. And I'm expecting, of course, Nat Nui to feature quite highly, um, not only sort of the coaches vote, which I'm sure he has, but as well as the uh, even polling maybe a Brownlow vote or so. Um, 41 to 36 us, the clearances. Exactly. In favor yeah, of the Bulldogs. It was 16, 16 to 7 in the final term. There's where the swing happens. We were 25 to 29 going into uh, three-quarter time. And we just uh, turns it on. So it's no coincidence to think I, and from what I can see with Trelaw featuring in that final term, that we're able to get such dominance. And again, I make a mention of this in the piece as well, McRae getting six centre clearances in that quarter. 
so that's I was, I was saying to you before we went to air, that's eight of the eight center bounces. It's his second game for the club. That's a lot of trust to invest into. He's a good player. He's, responsibility. He's, he's not, he's not a, he's not a no-namer. He's, he's coming obviously with a big reputation. He may well be the biggest player that the Bulldogs have ever traded in from another club, just in terms of ability and, and stage of his career. This could be the biggest. Yeah, this could exactly be the biggest signing. Everything. In fact, no, I'd go so far as to say that this is the biggest signing we've ever made from another club. He comes in with a reputation. And the best part about it is they're getting paying. Are they fixing they're up the southern gap? Only paying two thirds of it. But this is—that's a lot of trust to invest in a player who's not been at the club very long, regardless of how good they are. This makes volume, isn't it, too? Because he's fitted in like a duck to water. And he and, and he came he came good as, as well. Is. He came good as well. Mm. So that's you said nine possessions in the final term. Yep. Eight centre bounce starts of the nine that he featured in. Yep. Wonder how many of those. Um, wonder how many of those nine possessions he you know, picked up were say a first possession from the centre bounce itself. You know, as part of a handball chain. Not to say around the ground or all up too. Yeah. In that final quarter, I wonder how many of those were say on the burst, being given the ball, and off he goes to, to dish it in. Because I'm sure he had a hand in um, McRae's uh, pass to Norton, which put us back in front. I think he did. Like yes, so I did. think he was the he. Uh, he was either. I think he. I think he it was. It was Trelaw. Possession, yeah. I think it was Trelaw to Dunkley to McRae to Norton. Aha, uh-huh, there we go. I think well, there you go. There's a first possession right there, which is essential, of course, when you're you know dueling in the I have midfield. to double check that. So that's just brilliant stuff right there. But yeah, no, that's that's outstanding stuff by the by the club. And you can sometimes see the nerves. That's what I was touching about before with yourself. How were you feeling 14 points down about 10 minutes into the last quarter? Yeah. Um, um West Coast missed three shots or two shots or whatever it is. So I was I was just on my own, but there was there was a guy next to me. I've been talking to him a bit during the match, just here and there, and I just sort of made the remark we, we, that we don't even look like scoring, and that would have that would have been at about the halfway point in the last quarter, maybe a little bit before the last quarter. So West Coast had been on top, but they'd missed a few opportunities, and we were hanging in there. So we had a, a little bit of luck in a, in a couple of instances, but we didn't look like we were getting it forward at all, and then everything changed. It was just it was just very sudden. It just clicked once we got that first goal through Bruce. Suddenly they looked like they could get forward with with a lot more ease and score. And I, I think it, it's not just even that too. The celebration that he showed too. He showed like a he did, he did, to keep yeah. that type of goal. He really celebrated. And the boys, I don't know if they got around him or not. I didn't see it properly there, but that's the type of stuff that you need. Those types of goals, those types of moments that trigger some sort of reaction. And then well, he I was, was uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I attended no, with Brad. No, oh, okay. I attended with Brad and um, we were watching the match from level three and we were trying to sort out and I was saying, okay, after this Bruce goal to pretty much show that we're back, I've always told you anyways, the magic number's three. So that was the first yeah. of three goals. And said, the so your, your theory is in a, is in a comeback, in a comeback, yeah. a comeback to, to show that you're something, right in there. It's got to be sure. three goals in a row. Yeah. Genuinely three in a row. And, Straight after that Bruce goal, immediately there was another response, which is exactly what had to happen. That well, still was... allowed us the time to, to to settle or to to regain our composure or to keep pressing, and that's exactly what happened. And that that's what the doctor ordered. Well, it was Norton, wasn't it? It's the it's the two players I think you want to kick those goals. That, that that's that's what they're in the side for. It's what key forwards are there. They they kick the goals when you when you really need them. And that's what Norton and, and Bruce did in the, in the last quarter. I mean, Norton was a bit, he was, he was a bit nervous, I think, early. Like he missed a couple of shots um, and he was a bit indecisive. I think he played on it when he probably should have gone back and had the shot. That particular instance in the first quarter, it worked out because English still, took the yeah, mark. Was it English? That yeah, it was English. Right. Still, worked, still worked out, but he looked nervous and wasn't quite sure. But in the last quarter, he came up good. And that was, that was great to see him take those marks and, and kick Truly, when it was when it was really needed. Speaking of when it was really needed, and I know you're huge on this because a lot of people are very critical of the set shot capabilities of Marcus Montepelli, and rightly so. He can be very much hit and miss, but 
I know you will take great pride in in me reminding everyone of this that this is this is your theory on Pontempelli. This, this is a trademark. This is a well, trademark. My standards, anyways, for me, it's a trademark and a half. That he will. That if we're five goals up when he when he marks the ball inside four fifty, with a minute to go, if we're five goals up and the game is is already dead and buried, he misses that shot. I've no doubt he misses that shot if the game is already won, and and you agree. I know you agree. But because the game was there to be won, because the goal needed to be kicked, because this was crunch time, that this was the difference between the game. This was because if he kicks it, the game's over. If he misses, the game is on. West Coast have, I think, about twenty-five seconds to get it from one end to the other. And indeed, they do. They, they moved it quite well from the kick-ins, West Coast, actually, as well. Better, better in the first half. We sort of stifled that in the final term. Yep. Getting a lot more inside ball. They tended to play the the wings quite a fair bit. I think. At least in the first quarter, the numbers were about 62% of their, their possessions were built on uh, on the right wing. Anyhow, uh, now you mentioned, of course, Bont there with the big moments. And that is also, yep. in my piece, the fourth dot point. Now, well, don't don't reveal me, all of your, your article before it comes nah, out, No, nah, that's my fourth dot point. But it's there's been some incredible goals that he's had to keep. Actually, it's funny you mention that. It's funny you mention that. There's because, a lot of moments. Because so I just... Many, I just wrote down a few uh, of the ones that just came to mind for me straight away. So the goal of the year against Melbourne in 2014. Yep. I don't care what they say about Matt White. It's goal of the year. Mm-hmm. The game in the wet against Sydney, the goal from 50 metres out just before three-quarter time mm-hmm. uh, where Sydney were pressing. He took an intercept mark from, from that as well. Uh, the snap around the body to kickstart the last quarter comeback against Gold Coast in 2015. He also kicked another one in that last quarter as well. The sealer against Adelaide in 2016, which was very similar in terms of context to what he scored on the weekend. Indeed. And then likewise again, and likewise once more then against Port Adelaide. Yes, yeah. I've got that one's next. So the, the winner against the winner against Port Adelaide in Adelaide. Uh, I've written here Bont v. Hodge. Uh, Bont v. Hodge 2.0. I've also decided. Yeah, hang on, hang on. I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not yeah, done there's yet. a few more. There's the, a few uh, more yep, too. There's a few more. The the running goal in the preliminary final against GWS. Indeed. Uh, the I've got here the the settler against Sydney. So this is round one, 2019. Uh, the the winner against GWS uh, that would be last year off the ground. The winner against West Coast last year and the sealer against West Coast this year. Now that was just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's I think more that forgot I've missed an, out on. I think you've forgotten another one though. Not for you, because I forgot about the the two that you actually mentioned early on in 2015, the Sydney one and the Gold Coast one. Um, I've also thrown in the 2017 goal in the last quarter against Essendon to turn a six-point margin into 12. Uh, rocking out with 47 and a bit thousand people in that game. That's brought us back within you know reach of the top eight yeah. there's, a, there's a set shot too it was a set shot there's as well. a few there's a few nick i mean that's that's just off the top of my head and and this is this is a guy that's about halfway through his career now so he'd be 25 now now i know i don't want to get i i don't like getting too carried away with big grandiose statements about a player's legacy and it's hard for me to do that any anyway because I've not He's seen got a heck of an accolade list as it he is. He has. Too, I mean, so. he he had. Well, he has. I mean, it, you can't say he's done it all, because I, I don't think he. I mean, he hadn't, well, he just about has, I suppose. Like he's captain. He's won a premiership. He's won a best and fairest in a premiership year. All Australians best and fairest. He hasn't won that Brownlow yet, which we're still. Yeah, he probably ooh. just needs an individual. If he does get that, he has won the coaches award though in 2019. Like he has pretty much done it all. Mm. Obviously, the Bulldogs have had mm. over a thousand players play. In throughout since they started against Fitzroy back in in 1925 at uh, Brunswick Street, I think it was Brunswick Street. Is he the best of all of them? I know it's hard for you to say, but close. surely, surely you can, surely you can assume that most of the players you haven't seen play aren't going to match his levels. We can talk about I the big players. We've, we've grown up that. with we've grown up with some stars, Nick, right, Johnson. Scott West, Luke Darcy, Chris Grant, Rowan Smith, all played at least over 200 games. All fantastic Set players. Said it, sir. Shall we add him into the Said list? Said it, sir. Obviously, you could talk about the premiership heroes of, of 1954. There's some fantastic players uh, out of that. There's been some fantastic players throughout the stretch as well. There have been players who have won mm. Brownlows. There have been players who have won Commons. There have been players who have won both. 
Which is good. Very, very well. good club. We just deserved a bit more luck. But is, we've been a very good club. I think is is Bontebelli the best player we've ever oh. had. Okay, well he definitely he definitely um has got himself in the top ten category. I'm trying to wonder, do I put him in the top five category yet? So you so that that says to me no. Not at the moment. You're, you're only, you're I'm, only... Th- I'm thinking I want him to get another. If he can get this club a flag, another flag that is, then he automatically catapults straight into number one. Who is ahead of him? I'd still like to say I think I've got at the moment anyhow. Um, Hawkins. I've still got Grant. I still believe Johnson. So that's three, and probably there's a few more on that list, but. It's, I've, the question is, I'm still trying to wonder where that, where Bond does fit. And at the moment, I've still got him in that six to ten bracket. Not going to reveal the other names that are in there, but still, I think that he can definitely jump into that top three um, by the end of this year if it can result in a flag, or at least by the end of his tenure. For someone who's not even played 150 games yet, at a club that's that's actually quite close, it's it, it's sneaking up quite close to its a uh, century-long stay in this competition, starting in 1925. Somebody's not even played 150 games yet, and we're and we're saying, "Oh, he's the fifth or sixth best ever player." And he's up against. My thoughts. He's My he's thoughts. well, you're you're normally pretty on the money in fairness, but this is a guy who's he's in in terms of we're talking weight division. He's competing against players who have had careers that are twice as long as his at the moment. This guy's not even played 150 games mm. and you're comparing him mm. and you're mentioning him in the same breath as players who have played over 300 games. Mm. Well, let's over say 300, this then. If over we're 350 talking, games. If we're talking then in terms of flat 150 games, then then he's the best one. I think in terms of flat 150. Yeah. And there might only be at the best case, maybe again, two players that could probably put themselves up in that bracket. He is at least but, placed in every, in the best and fairest count in every year, apart from his first. So 2015, I think he finished third. 2016, he finished first. 2017, he finished first. 2018, he finished third. 2019, he finished first. And 2020, I think he finished second. Yep. Yeah, that is remarkable. That is remarkable consistency. Mm, it's almost up there like with Trelaw at the Pies, you know, finishing second or third every other year. Oh, no. That's not good. <laughs> we're going we're to trade him next, aren't we? Oh, no. That's what's going to happen. And this is the other because he's, he's, he's out of contract. Now, the talk in terms of out of contract players is, is revolved mainly around Paddy Cripps, I think. There's not been a lot of talk about Bontempelli being out of contract. Because no one expects him to leave. Well, no one expects him to leave. But I think the other thing is no one questions his worth. Because when it's about Crips being out of contract, it's all about the money. Well, maybe not all about the money, but certainly the question is, what is his value? How much do you pay Paddy Crips? Is it 1.3? Is it, it's floated between 700,000 to 1.3 million. Like that, that's I been the, the estimates. wouldn't even do that at all, even before this season, even before last season. I mean, there have been suggestions that Carlton that can't afford to not overpay him. And the, the, or that he's not worth as as you well, know as much as I'd say as 1. this 1.3 million. I'd say this if he's in the hunt of a flag. I'm not saying to leave. This is Crips. This is. I'd yeah. be saying, mate, you've been well paid for many years already, but you, and, and duly well paid, of course. Yeah. But um, I think it's time for you to not put a you know a price on your head and actually do the team thing and drop a couple of dollars because you've been very well looked after for the majority of your career. I mean, who, who the heck have Carlton actually had to be paying there? Salary cap too, in all seriousness. I think Jack Martin yeah. and Zach Williams are doing okay. Oh, well, certainly Jack exactly. Martin is. Uh, I don't know about Zach Williams exactly. Yeah, um, no, he's definitely doing very nicely. Bontempelli's value for me, though, is this is what you do with Bontempelli. You hand him a blank check and, and you write down as many, and you let him write down as many zeros as he wants. And you give because, him a fair because few of the, Mercedes cars, even though they're not with of, us anymore. He, well, he justifies it. He justifies it. I went on to Twitter because I, I, I feel like it's part of the the podcast. I've got to go on the Twitter and voice my opinion a lot. And I said that the phrase generational talent is overused. Oh, he's a, he's a center forward to take marks and kick. He's a generational talent. He's a six foot four. He's a six foot four running midfielder. Generational talent. I've never seen a player do this before. Bonson Pelly is a player that, and this, and this is partly why I ask you the question: is is he the best player we've ever had? We've never had a player like him before, and Not we probably, all. and we probably never will again. In fact, we 
almost certainly maybe not an out not an out Locked not now towards the the back to the very back end of it, maybe it will have been but, spores with. Um, yeah, but even 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 that that's time, no so. even that's no guarantee. It's no guarantee that that comes around in another 60, 70 years. You 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 pay him whatever he wants, and it's not which it's not like there's be, a concern. Which will still be reasonable though, because there aren't yeah. any debates on it. Because no. he, you you can see it from himself too. His ambition is success. And he won't outprice himself. No, he won't be ridiculous. And because no. what he gets is going to be quite vindicated and fair. You know, you compare these things to you look at um, another club, for instance, uh, GWS. You know, they had their players looking for, or, you know, the approaching for flags and stuff, and they had to sign several blokes in the vicinity of you know eight hundred to nine hundred and one million plus. You know, you've got Kelly, you've got Canelio, you've got Whitfield. And those guys aren't even a knock. They're, they're great players, but they're not even a knock on what Bont is. No. Remember those? Just remember those? Because I mean, um, you can be a great player, and and they mm-hmm. are, and they and they're great players, but yeah, they're, but they're not in that cat. Uh, no, but that there role. are some players like Bont and Pelly who are, who are different. They're they're a net, they're another mm-hmm. level above. It's undisputed. Yeah. Where no one can disagree with what they can do or what he no. can do. Do you and think it's not it's it's not a concern stops that, the debate? With the Crips and Bont, even well, though Crips has been underdone this year, would you think it changes that now? Well, let me say this: if, if, have flipped if, it around. Let me say this: if 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 we had Crips in our midfield, if we had to pay Crips into our midfield group, our starting midfield trio would be Bont and Pelly, McRae and Dunkley. I think that's probably correct in all seriousness. Well, then it's not a knock. Crips is Crips is a good player. Crips is a great player, to be honest. Like what he, I mean, and he's playing yeah. on, we know he's sort of, he's playing yeah. under an injury cloud. No one's going to be at their best. I mean, we saw Bontepelli carry a hip injury for at least a season or two. So we know that it can have an impact on, on a player if you're playing through this persistent injury. Cripps is a great player and his strengths are, are fantastic and they separate him from most in the competition. Mm-hmm. But what but he does is, what he, dimensional strengths, what, yeah, what, he does, what he does isn't something that, any midfielder can just come in and do like it's 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 very unique in that in that regard and it's very important as well he would walk into any team and for sure and and come come pretty close to being their best player if not in their best two or three guaranteed not even a debate and and you know you get if there's a player like that that's that you they're doing quite well for themselves and Cripps would walk into any side and he'd be in the top two or three best players of the club at least at least, and even if he walked into our midfield, I joke a bit about that. It it is a, it is a deep midfield, but he, he probably is better than Dunkley. I would have thought it'd be close, but I think I think his be best is, is is a little bit better than Dunkley. Mm. They're, they're kind of similar players. I think that's more one dimensional than him. Though I think that's they're, the comparison. I think that's the better. Though. I think that's the better comparison. Crips and and that's not an insult to. Crips and I hope can't fans don't take it that way, but they're the similar type of player. Bonson Pelly and Crips are two completely different midfielders. I mean, they're tall and they're midfielders, but they're very different. Crips is more of an inside. Bonson Pelly has a better blend of both. Dunkley is more of a, a predominantly inside midfielder, but has that big body as well. Because I think they're starting to turn the arguments around. It's no longer say the <clears throat> it's no longer the Bont versus Crips debate. Now it's Walsh versus Smith. Okay. <laughs> so as I'm saying, it's not been our fan base that's uh, shifted the goalposts uh-huh. on that. So well, it's, well, it's, that well, settles it from Well, I mean, here we, see, we go. So Cripps is better than, and I've said this to you before, Cripps is better than Bontepelli. Walsh is better than Smith. Mackay is better than Norton. Yet somehow it's the Bulldogs that are making the finals every year and Carlton aren't. Nine consecutive years of zero go and on. two, and they'll still probably somehow find a way to beat us this year. Oh, Doherty's better than Doherty's better than Caleb Daniel as well. There's another one. Doesn't matter. All right, Jack so Martin's let's jump onto that. Did I want to. I want to talk about a couple of numbers. Were a bit low. I what was the crowd? I actually don't know. Um, it was about uh, mid twenty ones. Yeah, it was a bit quiet. Uh, sorry, you, it was. It was. It felt louder can... than what attendance was. <laughs> yeah, they say it was about mid twenty ones, but it felt a lot more than that. I cannot Mid- confirm. Look, that's a, a I think lot. that's a pretty decent crowd for an overseas team to have in it. For a Bulldogs oh, against an overseas, oh, sorry, interstate, sorry, interstate. Overseas. I mean, for overseas, it, well, it would be. Well, West Coast is on, on in America, isn't it? The West Coast? Indeed it is. Well, we are the American football podcast after all. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
Um, for an interstate club, that's not bad. And yeah, certainly it was it was a lot louder than twenty one thousand mm. at the end. Um, I thought it might have been closer to probably twenty five, twenty six. But again, I don't know the exact numbers. Mm. Just what we've seen. I think someone brought up on the the Marvel Stadium LinkedIn page. Apparently, so. Okay, want to talk I want to talk about a couple of defenders and and key moments in the match because I I thought at th- three quarter time I think well we've been on top for two and a half or you know for two and a half of the the three quarters and West Coast had a five minute patch towards the end of the third where they kicked three goals about five minutes and they were two goals up and you think of the opportunities we had in the third term. So Wallace drops the mark of the goal square. Then he has the snapshot around the body, which he misses. Uh, but Neil has an opportunity that he, that he misses. I'm pretty sure there were, there were a couple of others as well. And then West coast got the other end, bang, bang, bang. And I sort of think, well, this is what happens when you're not on, well, when you're on top and you don't do the job properly in terms of making the most of your chances in front of goal, this is what happens. The opposition get a run in and they make you pay. But then the opposite happened. West Coast started missing chances in the last quarter. The first Very one... Very rare that tends to happen, actually. The, the first one was Jamie Cripps from about 20 metres out, directly in front, no angle to speak of. How does he miss this? He can't, he can't miss it. Well, I'll tell you what he can't do. He can't kick it into the man on the mark, surely. That is never going to happen. But that's exactly what did happen. And it's done by one particular player who had done it previously. He had. So I, I trawled this up as well this morning because I wanted to highlight this because Ryan Gardner is a, is a player that is, I think it's fair to say he has copped at least his fair whack in the past 18 months, let's say. Probably more than a lot of other probably, players. Yeah, certainly probably, probably more than his fair share. I mean, when you're someone who's played less than 20 games and you're more... Ex- 14 matches for 14, him. And your more experienced partner in terms of a key position defender has just played his 50th match. It's, it's quite easy to become the, the whipping boy of the, the supporter group. I think it's easy to make mistakes. You're up against much bigger, much more experienced opponents. Obviously your mistakes are more likely to cost goals than someone who gives away a free kick on the half forward line. He's improved a lot. We've made note of that, but I did want to make special mention of this because I can't think of the last player before, um, Garner, who's done this twice and so so quickly as well. So last year, uh, Jack Darling had a shot on goal. This is in the game against West Coast. On the three-quarter time tire, and he had a shot on the goal on three-quarter time tire. Now, it was no guarantee because the conditions were dewy and it was about 50 metres out. But this is we're talking about a guy who's kicked over 400 goals at a level. So he must have had at least some good chance of at least getting a score. He kicks it into the man on the mark. He runs very close to the man on the mark, but uh, Garner, and he does this on both occasions, he times his jump. So he gets down quite low and, and tries to give himself his maximum spring to jump off the mark, and he affects the kick. No score. And the Bulldogs win by two points, but I reckon if there's a score there, or certainly if there's a goal there, I reckon we lose that game against West Coast. Goal's hard to come by in that match. I think a goal there, and West Coast will win. Now, Jamie Cripps, with his opportunity at the weekend, had the chance to put West Coast 18 points clear in the last quarter. Now, I think from there, they've got the momentum. They've kicked they've kicked four goals four in the space of about yeah, space about five minutes. I don't think West Coast lose from there. As it is, Garner gets a touch on it. It goes through for a point, and, and we hold on. And credit to and Marks to I think he's a bit down on himself too, though. I think he's a bit. Sometimes you see like in games where there's sort of errors, like that moments with Oscar Allen in the third quarter. Now he just kicked yeah. it from about a couple of meters out. Yeah, sort of disappointed sort of gave in himself up on that one. Well, that, that's yeah. That's I think good. he's I think he's very harsh on himself though at times. Maybe I, I mean, don't know he, whether that's a confidence issue because he doesn't always go for his marks. He does a great job spoiling, and we've got some well, numbers it's, on again, that too. Again, it's it's within his it's it's within his field of 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 what he knows he does well and he doesn't try to stray too far from that he he, tried, he pulled off a couple of 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 those riskier kicks but they but he but you know they they came off they hit targets was it wasn't an issue i i really like the way he's progressed and i feel like that was worth highlighting because they because in in such a high octane last quarter that's not going to that's not making any highlight reels. I mean, we want Vandermeer's goal. We want to see Vandermeer run, and we want to see Norton take marks and get goals, and we want to see Bonton Pelly's sealer again. Of course, we want to see that sort of stuff. That's great. But that stuff, the uh, the garden smother was forgotten about, I think. 
and I don't think it should have because I don't think we win if if that doesn't happen. It says to me he takes great pride in his work. Because you could think, I mean, especially with the new stand rule, you think the, the man on the mark, it's, it's not a big deal. But no, it is. You need to know you're not out of the game yet. It is. Still it is a big deal. It's, it's impacting on results. It can impact it can impact matches. It can be the difference between two zip and 1-1. And one, one. Too many and times you is. see sometimes players that, when they say stand before they call, you're allowed to then jump, aren't you? I, I don't know. Okay, we've got to double check that. But I, it's interesting um, too because it said many players think that they're out of the game or out of the contest in that matter. Well, clearly you can still, because Garner did. And it was it was one of those ones where I thought, Gee, surely the umpire is going to pay 50 because there's no way a kick should get smothered from that sort of distance. We're talking 20 meters. I mean, unless there shouldn't be any way that he's getting he's smothering that kick without encroaching. And I was waiting for the out for it was probably Razor to pay 50 meters, and he didn't. I think Razor paid from what I found out, he paid 10 frees to the Eagles and four to us. Okay. Not that that's overly important. No, no, we're just bringing no, but that's no, just I just know it was Razor it. because every time he pays a free kick, he loves to tell the player to calm down and then give me a minute and then I'll explain it to you very slowly mm. and very clearly. He didn't mm. dive on it, Adam. He was diving to mark the ball, even though the ball had already hit the ground. It was quite clear that he couldn't be claiming a mark. Anyway, speaking of spoils, uh, okay, actually, I just want to, because yeah, yeah, no, he's got some numbers on him for sure. Yeah, want to, um, no, just just quickly with the smothers, I want to also men- make mention to Patrick Lipinski, who did something very similar with Tim Kelly. The, he did indeed. The other defender I want to talk about, and, got, and very quickly, because we've got other things we want to talk about, Bailey Williams, three on one, one of them being Liam Ryan. This is with a minute to Flying go. Ryan, for he, God's gets, sake. he gets the spoil in. He beats two other uh, Eagles and players. Allen and Cripps again. And he gets the hand pass out to Jurey. He gets it to Bailey Smith. And then there's the chain for the bomb to Bailey goal. Bailey Williams is on the verge of signing a new deal. Is that what is I that? I believe that is yeah. correct. That's, I believe that is the, the case. It should be another two-year deal. Not a moment too soon either. One of the no, most improved no, players in the in the competition. We've just got to lock it right up. I'm pretty sure we would have ideally looked for more, but uh, you never know. We'll see what happens. But that's the, the unofficial term uh, talk anyhow. But again, on those spoils, okay, we're mentioning what Gardner before. Um, from yep, the statistics just, uh... that are recorded from 1965 on it for every Western Bulldog player, of course, that is. Not all these, and not, not all the statistical categories have been uh, filled in. But, you know, they've done a great job, of course, in AFL tables. Uh, we've got Ryan Gardner in his 14 games. He currently holds the highest one per, uh, 1% to average of seven. That's in comparison well, that's, to every single player that we've got listed from 1965 stats-wise, anyhow. That's what he does. And, that's what he does best. Mm-hmm. And what did he, he finish? Best. Finished fourth or so last year across the competition for 1%. Fourth or state. fifth. Uh, yeah, one of those yeah. things. But he features very highly in that. I'll try to see where he's featured. Well, you said he was hard on him too. You said he was hard on himself. I, I thought he was quite good, and I, I thought it was a bit. It was a bit unfair. Like they were Keith and Gardner were up against it. They were they were trying to they were trying to each throughout the match. I mean, they were trying to play on one and a half key forwards, three against two. They were just going to be outnumbered all day, and and they conceded nine goals. But to be honest, I think every time they, I think there were too many times when they were they defended badly. They were just stretched to a, to a point where they couldn't cover. He's a fifth this season. Now, Dougal Howard is a long way ahead. Now, 29. Well, Dougal Howard had a, had a massive game against Melbourne. Uh, he, had, he did. I mean, his got, numbers were off the charts in terms of the rest of his career. They were indeed. We've got Sam Collins and Harris Andrews on 19 apiece, followed by then Ryan Gardner with 18. So he's actually fourth, sorry. So that's where he's sitting there. And Alex Keefe also featuring in that list uh, with 12 at the moment. So we'll take that. Now, I've got some, I've got some questions, some fan questions come through. And they're, and they're, Ooh, they're revolve to it. mainly around the defence. So let's start here. Firstly, at Lachlan underscore Kelso asks a couple of questions. Do you want to start with this one? Gardner and Keith need aerial support. Is Eason Woods' return enough? Now, Woods played well, a couple of games in the, in, the, in, in the VFL. Would have thought he would have come in last week. They clearly thought he wasn't ready, though, mm. which I can sort of understand. He didn't play any of the practice games. Um, to And he's, he's getting on a bit now. 
Really thought for, for one game yet. may have been a bit too soon. So they've played him again in the VFL. He was he was in the best. He was in the best for Footscray. We'll get to the the uh, the exacts of Footscray's game a little later on. But he wasn't he was named in the best. Is is Eastern Woods return enough? I guess it depends on the opposition as well. I mean, not everyone is going to play with such a tall forward line. No, that's the thing. They had that's arguably the best all-round forward line in, in the competition, too. So I think for us to ironically at times, you know, how much they kicked 14. 14. And did their tallest kick. So Kennedy got four nine. Darling, probably three, nine, nine all up. Okay. Maybe it's so four, four to Kennedy, two. three for Darling, two for Oscar Allen. And then one to Ryan, if we want to really throw him in there. One to Ryan, but, three to Jermaine Jones. No, of course, I don't know how Jermaine Jones even did that. But, you know, the funny thing is, all these points that were brought up and now even brought up in the in the Twitter at the moment, I might as well not even bother releasing my five things we learned. <laughs> uh, L- Lachlan has an- another question here. It's I guess it's in follow-up to that one. In games with dominant opposition forwards, should we be floating or pushing English back as a floating defensive forward? And I think we did that last year. Certainly, yes, definitely we did. did that he, last year. He took a, an intercept mark towards the back half of the fourth. I'm pretty sure. What did you did you find this interesting too? For that last center bounce, and might have been center bounce even beforehand, with Norton getting that. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, with Norton getting that goal, sorry to put us yep. in front by yep. a point. They threw him down at center half back. English or Norton? Norton. Yeah, I noticed that. I did notice that. that. Was a very, that's a very strange thing. That's the thing. We were trying to win the game. We've hit the lead. No, no, Norton. We were yeah. still trying to yeah, kick the goal. We were in front yeah, by so probably. It's ironic, right, yep, you know. The saying is we're still trying to win the game. You know, not the term technically save it. But it's interesting to see that in those dying stages, that the idea that the coach has thrown Norton down. There's back. still a couple of minutes to go. It's not like 30 yeah. seconds of a minute. That was interesting. But I get why they did it. Oh, so do I, but it's just different and a bit intriguing, I think. Now, here's here's another question, which is is very interesting. It's 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 more of this forward curse stuff. It it um it follows on from. Is Wallace's spot in jeopardy with the likes of Kavara and Jamara Ugal Hagen if our 2021 inside 50 entry style and his own poor conversion are impacted? Wallace is still it's goalless different. after two it's games. Different with Wallace because. And he was he was much more involved. He was English much forward. he was much more involved this week than compared to to Collingwood. But it, he's in the side to make the most of the opportunities he's given. And so there were three chances in the second half that last year he would have had no problems with. They all would have gone through. He would have marked it's, the one of the goals square. Would have kicked though, the the I snapshot, think. and he would have he would have kicked that one in the last quarter. I think it, it's. I mean, I don't. I mean, and he's been a point of vice captain. I don't think he's. I don't think he's headed for Footscray anytime soon. But it is concerning that your leading goal kicker from last year, two games in, still hasn't hit the scoreboard. I think he's kicked two behinds. Yeah, a couple of behinds now. Two behinds. Three behinds, maybe. Two or three, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's more for the structure side of things, uh, Matt, with the reassembling of the four. And you've got now a fit Bruce, a fit Norton. We've got English floating higher up. We don't have Wallace now being the deepest target as he was last year no so he's had to have a positional adjustment there too and it gets trickier for him because we know that he tends to be more of a ironically in comparison to all of our forwards um he's not a lead-up type he's more of a one-on-one one-on-one type on one. gets the mismatch yeah. or such yeah which is very rare for a player in our side anyways to be good one-on-one and we haven't been able to have a lot of those types of success because the way we clog up the forward half is to, is to create stoppages. So there's not a lot of that um, space for those types of contests. You know, generally you're going to have half a dozen blokes within 10 metres of each other, sometimes 15 metres of each other. So it's pretty easy to come uh, to come off your man to, to kill the ball there. At so moon, Wallace oh, yep. is going to have to pick it up a little bit though. Yeah. He's not a pressure forward and he's, a, and ironically, you know, it's bad to say these things, but it's, when your reliance purely on the goals, if you're a forward, you need to have other things. And that does put his spot in jeopardy because there's a lot of other types like Kavara, who I do still want to see on the side because I would love to see a canny small forward. So not Kavara, we'll get to we'll get to him. We'll get to him. At Moon Patrol 33. Bring with, in Ben. Bring in Ben. At Moon Patrol 33 asks, and this is a good question, it's why I like this one. With the five-day break, changes will be made as some players were exhausted. Who's in and who's quote-unquote rested? Now, Moomtrol or Jason, 
whatever e-press be called, makes a very valid point because there's no way the team we saw on Sunday is going to play on Good Friday. Not exactly. There, there has to be changes. I mean, it was unchanged from last week and it had a bigger break, to be fair. They had a nine-day break. Just a five-day break here. No injuries from the senior side. There was, a, there was an injury in the VFL to a certain footballer that we've spoken about previously, but nothing from the AFL side. So I can, um, I can anticipate there will be changes. What, I think what, I've got what two changes. changes. Two changes. So, so who are they? I think, I think the, obvious, the obvious candidates, shall we say, are, are Scott and McNeil. I'm wondering if there's a third change. That's my thing. Well, who, who are you thinking debating. then? Who are you thinking? And I suppose, who, who, who's coming in? Well, then I would definitely be considering at least of these four names. Now, fourth doesn't fit into three, but at least these four names. We can try, Nick. We can try. So we can give it a shot. So, of course, we'd like to see Wood return. I still would like to see JJ in. I'm trying to find a spot in terms of pressure. Now, I mentioned, obviously, we touched on his name just before with Ben Kavar. Mm-hmm. The other name that I'm wondering is Riley West as a pressure forward. That's what I'm sussing. And then that leads to the point we discussed just before. The three ins, three outs, so even though we have four names there, that really begs the question of Wallace because if he's not been used as a marking target, it sort of makes him a bit redundant, doesn't I, it? I get it, but you can't drop a vice-captain. I don't want new, to. Especially don't a new, want especially to. newly appointed one. That... No, no, I don't want to they do can't. that. That's the thing, because he's good enough to. We're not, we're not GWS, Nick. We're not GWS. Thank God for that, because otherwise we'd be getting smashed in grand finals. Don't enjoy that, or at least, at least, at least, in our first grand final would be getting smashed. And I suppose that follows on from the question of at Benny Norton, Nate, who comes in and who goes out for Crozier and Wood? He asks. So Crozier's still a few weeks away. I think he's still another. Still be another About six, month, eight weeks away. Yeah. Uh, Eastern Wood's return will be, or should at least be, fairly more imminent. He's had a couple of games under his belt. Now he's played well in both of them. But I suspect he'll, he'll come in. And, and this was in the VFL performance on the weekend. So Footscray against, against Essington at the hangar. 15, 14, 99 to 7, 3, 45. So fairly comprehensive um, I, score. I line. don't generally do this, but I must say, for all of those that love like to have a good laugh, please look at the YouTube channel, Herbertron, if you want to find <laughs> some good quality Essington content. Essington. Oh, sorry, that's the tongue. Uh, you have to. Kavara with four goals. So Kavara now, and I've got it up here, 11 goals in four VFL practice matches. A opportunity at AFL level is surely just around the corner for him. So that's three, three, one, and four in the four practice games that he's played. Jordan Sweet with three goals. The Ruckman getting on the score sheet. That's encouraging as well, because if there's ever anything with, with Martin or English, it's looking like he's getting better every week. Is he uh, under contract this year, I wonder? Oh, uh, look, I'd be surprised if he was. He'd be the only one who's not, I think, just based on the list we read last week. There are a lot of out-of-contract players. Eugle Hagen kicked two goals in the first half. Did not play in the second half. He had a, well, it was a dislocated thumb, and then it became a lacerated thumb for Eugle Hagen. So no surgery, nothing like that is required, which is major relief. He's not going to spend any lengthy time on the sidelines. That will be assessed in the coming days, or his availability for this week will be assessed in the coming days. So he may even play this week. Which There's is one name I want to hear, though. Big sigh of relief. Uh, so Riley West got on the score sheet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in terms of the you'll, AFL. You'll get to that players. Um, What about the Shaq? Maybe. That's the name I'm wondering. So Shaq, he didn't kick he? any goals. So he... I think he suffered an injury. Uh, I think he, got, yes, he, he was involved in a, in a pretty heavy hit in the second term and spent a lot of time in the roof, but came back to play at the match. Didn't kick any goals, though. He, in his four practice matches, has kicked eight goals. So he kicked three, two, and three. Obviously, didn't kick a goal at the weekend. And Eugle Hagen, including at uh, the weekend, in his four games, he kicked nine goals. So there's some decent chemistry between those three. What have I got that as? That's 28 goals between the three of them in, in three matches. That's this decent. is a beautiful thing. That's very You've nice. Got Henry, like a, a Henry and Norton and Bruce on this year. So Norton's three, on five three. goals too. Norton's on Bruce... five. Wait, what? Norton's on five. Three and two. Yeah. Five goals Good too. Goals. How many is that? So what's that? So he's kicked five goals nine. and he kicked two yeah. behinds. So two straight. And we've got nine and for those two big Bruce, boys. 
had kicked four straight. Mm-hmm. Although that's Very a nice. bit misleading because he's had another couple that have voted for the sure gone out in the fall. Waitman and Wood considered among the best for foot uh, for Footscray's AFL listed players. Um, Riley West as well, I hear just uh, well, he's not listed as the best, but from from what I heard from others, he's too good for that level now, as well. So that goes with what you're saying as well with with players looking to come back um, from injury, or, or not from in, not just from injury rather, but just in terms of the AFL side, just based on their form of AFL level. So where do we expect Footscray to be? Obviously, the season hasn't started yet, but where do we, in Footscray, we suggest, but where do we expect Footscray to be the VFL? Oh, Footscray have got to be up there. Got to be up there. I mean, you look at that firepower of the, the forward line. If those guys play most of the year, and if even if they go up to the AFL, I mean, there'll be some decent goal kickers going down. Unless they want to play with six talls. But even then, they might have I'm the likes of... to see that. Even I'm then, they might have the likes of Vandermeer. Running around and, and Vanderbilt is, you know, already going to win the Brownlow and the Coleman. So there's and some the coaches' there. votes and, and whatever the coaches else you want them to. No, he's love Vandermeer, but I think Footscray have got to be got to be up there. And if they've got players like Weston and Waitman running around, apparently Waitman is is a bit of a chatterbox on the field, in, in a good way, you know, in a good way, in a, in a morale boosting way, a team morale boosting way. No, Foots, Footscray will will compete this year. They've I mean, they had that game against Collingwood, which was very close, but you know, even even then they could have very easily won that match and they've just dismissed every other side they've come up against. They they beat uh, Box Hill by by about 40, 50 points. They beat Casey by hundred points. They've doubled Essendon's score here. I mean they've if that if that, and it's not everything, but that that's that's a decent indication that they're going places this year. They're a good side, but I, I think but you've got. I think minimum aiming for a prelim. Minimum. I think you've got to. I think you've got to play Cavara this week. I think Cavara's got to come up. You can't kick eleven goals in four games and not be given an opportunity. I get what you're saying. Um, in terms of you know having to having to, to drop players, you know changes have got to be made and all all that. And, and I I want to see Riley West come in as well. To be honest, I want to see Cavara, Shaq, Ugalag, and all West all come in. Not going to happen. Not a bad. It's not a bad second team. Forward, no, so it's a back, really, back it's six. a, it's really good, it's really good. But I, I think Havari, I think you just eventually gets to a point where you just keep too many goals, and you just got to be rewarded for your opportunities. We need to talk finally as well about the women's side. So this was their last game of the season. Unfortunately, we needed Fremantle to beat North Melbourne by about 150 points, I think it was, which would have been breaking all sorts of records. They didn't end up doing that. Fremantle, in fact, they didn't even end up winning. Um, which I guess and is a little bit of fortunately got a win by a point, which I think is a little bit of revenge after what happened with the men's for last year. But Footscray beating Richmond at the West, oh, sorry, Footscray, Western Bulldogs beating Richmond at the Western Oval. I'm still tied to that ending. 7 3 45 to 5 2 32. So 13 point win. It was, it was getting a bit iffy there in the last quarter. Um, certainly Richmond within a kick, but the Bulldogs managed to, to pull away. And, Kirsten McLeod kicked two goals. She was the only multiple goal kicker for the Bulldogs. Lamb, Morris, Dalton, too good, and Huntington and Lachland uh, each getting a goal. So Huntington finishes the season with 12 goals. She's a leading goal kicker for the side. Which is not a bad haul at all for this. Um, that's ties up tied with uh, Brooke Lachland from a couple of years back. And I'm just going to try what and see. that ties in terms of the individual season? Let me just see. So she finished all up sixth with that one equal sixth. So she finished 12 goals, four behind Darcy Vessio, who led the way with uh, 16. I think Katie Brennan finished runner with 14. She may she may leave now, needing a new challenge, uh, but we'll find out I'm in surpri- time. I'm uh, surprised that she's actually contributed on the football field at the moment for us uh, or against us anyhow, which is quite ironic. That's Lamb and Lockham. Oh, I, with- ha- I would have been happy with us. I think we can take a lot out for this season, to be honest. I think so as well. For them. No, I think so as well. Lamb and Lachlan each with 23 disposals. Blackburn with 20. Eleanor Brown with the Rising Star nomination to cap off the season as well. So she had very 19, good way to finish the season. 19 disposals and six tackles. So she wasn't afraid either um, to, to, to crack in and have an impact. Blackburn led the disposals for the Bulldogs at the end of the season. So she averaged 19.6. 
for the year. She had 176, while up Kirsty Lamb with 162. And then Lachlan, who looked to be playing more of a midfield role, Noah as a, as a goal kicker. Featuring on the, the wing a fair bit, actually, yep. this season too. So she averaged 14, just over 14 uh, disposals across the across the wing this season, finished with 147 all up. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the way that they've progressed. And they've come a long way from the last couple of years, the Bulldogs. Um, missing out, I think they missed out by just the one one game. A fair yeah, percentage as well. I think, yeah. I think yeah. they're about like 20% on us. But it shows you that early start too should be being the Saints. It would have only kept us percentages then effectively out. Yeah. That's that's what it is. But I think they can, as we both agree on this clear, can take a lot out of this. They've had a fair few lessons, namely the Crows game and the Magpies game. But in majority of their contests or majority of their games, they showed more than enough, which suggests that there's plenty of, you know, bite and bark in the dog for next season. Well, they've made a they made a big jump and and getting from the, the sort of bottom rungs of the ladder up until that mid table point is a big jump. But then getting into the top six is a big jump again. And I think and those games against Collingwood and, and Adelaide, yeah, a, a, a demonstrate that we've still got a long way to go. We've had some great wins though. So we were undefeated at the West Noble this year. Didn't lose a match. We had some, some really good wins. I think I think my favorite has got to be the Melbourne one. So a bit it was a it was a bit rope dope, sort of hanging in there and um smash and grab all those sort of um all those sort of cliches. But it was a good win. It was a great game, that one. Blackburn kicking that goal in the last quarter. Uh, that was that was great. Getting was consecutive great. wins for the first time in a in a few years too, also. That's yeah. gotta be up there on the highlights real. Well, to be there. honest, they weren't. I mean, it was the Adelaide and the Collingwood game. But apart from that, they they were pretty good. They weren't well beaten in any the, games. I wonder what's the percentage of them without those two games. You keep talking, Matt. I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll have to you do a very good we'll job. Have to have a look at that. Yeah, I, I'm very good at. I'm very good at talking. Just having a look here. So, yeah, it was just it was those two games against Adelaide and and Collingwood. Look, I still think the percentage would have been, well, it certainly would have been above 100. Well, above 100. They were significant defeats. And in the games that we did lose, so we lost by nine points to St. Kilda and 11 points to North Melbourne. The only, only two losses other to that. Mm-hmm. Not big losses. And then well, I can see, yeah. other than that, six points against Carlton, 15 against Geelong, 13 against Melbourne, 25 against the Giants. And then obviously 13 again against Richmond. So the percentage would have been good. But yeah, it's just those games against the very, very good teams or the top teams that are just hurting us, I'm afraid, with, with that one. Our percentage would have been 124 without those two games. Well, that, That's I think... That's a 36% jump. Yeah. It doesn't quite put us into the top six still, but uh, certainly looks a lot no, better No, no, it doesn't. But it's at least... Yeah, but then if you get that St. Kilda win, then it would still have us finishing... Seventh, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, no, it we'd probably have us finishing just with the win, the extra four points, probably have us leapfrog them just on wins rather than percentage. So we probably would still get into maybe, the top six. Maybe, maybe. Nick, finally, we need to have a quick chat about this Friday because this isn't just any Friday match. This is the good Friday game. Now, I know you're not going. I'm going to try and go. How excited? I mean, we've been, we've been pretty... Yeah, we've been pretty upset, I think, for the past couple of years to the fact that they took the Good Friday match off, off us after we got a win. I didn't realise it was a loser stays on sort of affair. Um, but we've got uh, we've got an opportunity again. Uh, we were supposed to have it last year as well, in fairness, until, until this uh, COVID thing struck the world. And then that became a lot more difficult. So we were supposed to have it. But fortunately, we didn't, do, we, we didn't manage to lose it somehow. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't get to, didn't have accusations of not drawing big enough crowd numbers for the game thrown our way. Looking forward to it? Exceptionally, and very much looking forward to seeing us pick up a solid 10, 10 goal win, maybe a bit more. Settle down. Uh, Settle down. No, no, so, I shouldn't be expecting anything less than all seriousness. Should not be. Well, it's uh, a golden opportunity to go three and zero for the first time yeah. since 2009. And what an occasion it would be to do it as well. Here's, in, in good here's some numbers to make you feel very terrified now. Okay, so 2-0 in yep. 2015, 2-0 in 2016, 2-0 in 2017, 2-0 in 2019. We are 0-4 and four going into uh, from round three games after being 2-0. and 
Lovely. This is the fifth of those 2-0 and o starts. Do we stuff it up or not? <laughs> I suppose we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, Break our own hoodoo, I think. And, and obviously, you'll be able to check out all of the, the news and the build-up to the match on our social media channels at the Salty Bulldog on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the.salty.bulldog. You can check out our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, just typing in the Salty Bulldog and YouTube as well. Uh, that will do us for, for the week. It's been jam-packed. And, and another fun episode, mate, as always. Another fun episode. Nicola, oh, Especially thank- better after a win. Always better after win. Nick Lear, I want to thank you for your time. It's, uh, it's a pleasure having you on board as always. Uh, my name is Matthew Donald. To all of our fabulous listeners around the world, we really thank you for tuning in. And until next week, take care.